of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. And we are moving up in the world. Got to use my main studio today. And Biz, that means you could actually hear the music as we bump our way in. Oh, I'm singing along to me and the Biz. So but, uh, the production value, really really stepping it up a notch. It only took you, what, 105 episodes, Trent. Nice job. Not too bad. We are ready to roll here, and uh, we are ready certainly for a big one at Kinnick Stadium tomorrow as Penn State comes to town. It is our uh, annual tournament that we have that we call Floyd a Boner, a beanbag contest that has been going on now for 17 years and a homage to going back uh, an old roommate of ours from way back in the day at 520 South Capitol Street, and uh, some of the many stories from those days will be coming out Tomorrow morning, uh, 11, when we get to the tailgate, and the tournament will begin shortly afterwards. A big weekend, not just football for us this weekend. Yeah, it's good to uh, good to move forward, Trent, because uh, not a good week for our uh, sports teams collectively. Uh, obviously, the Hawks at uh, Ann Arbor was a major disappointment. Uh, my Rams lose with a missed field goal. Your Bears travel all the way over to London and uh, lay an egg. And we won't even uh, mention your twins Ooh. and their uh, ongoing debacle against the Yankees. So let, let, let's flush that and move on and be ready for a, uh, a fun day at Kinnick tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Well, before we look forward, do you want to talk at all about the Michigan game anymore? I mean, it's Friday. We we both had busy weeks, didn't get to the podcast until late the week. Is there anything left to be said outside of, boy, that sucked? Yeah, I think everybody's pretty much said it. It's pretty, uh, yeah. Offense good, defense bad. That's pretty much other way around. Offense bad, <laughs> offense bad, defense good. So uh, that's about it. I will say, Stat Boy did uh, unearth one interesting nugget, Trent. It was the first time in, in modern Iowa football era, the Ferentz and Fry era, where we held a team scoreless for the final three quarters and lost a game. So mm. at least we at least we set a record. Yes, yeah, you got that to hang your hat on. Don't think that's going to help out. I don't think you're. I'm going to be throwing that one up there to Delaney when uh, you're trying to get a, a bull bid move up in the pecking order or anything like that. Don't think that's going to play into it. Well, speaking of Stat Boy, he does have some information. I know there's plenty of people this week that are concerned. Penn State had 10 sacks of their own a week ago. The eight sacks given up just how poor Iowa looked at times offensively. Six times in plus territory getting past the 50-yard line. Only three points to show for it. But bouncing back, and Iowa bouncing back after a clunker like that, what was Stat Boy able to unearth for this week? Well, good news, Trent. Like we said, today's podcast all about positivity. Let's uh, let's focus on the positives and, and flush last week's game. So uh, I gave Stat Boy an assignment that I, I thought was going to produce positive results, and, and fortunately it did. So his assignment was to uh, look at Kirk Ferentz and uh, bounce back games at, at because I think most people think that we do a pretty good job of bouncing back, but it's nice to see that Statboy was able to confirm that. And not only confirm it, but uh, it's pretty overwhelming, Trent, that you, you should be mortgaging your house on the Hawks after you see this information. Mm. So uh, the assignment for Statboy, pretty simple. After the Hawks lose a game, 
if they return to Kinnick and play against a ranked opponent, which obviously they're doing this weekend, uh, after a loss, return to the friendly confines and play a ranked opponent, how have Kirk Ferentz's teams done? Does that make sense? Simple enough, yeah. Lose a game, come crawling back home and play a ranked opponent. It's happened ten times since Ferentz turned the corner in 2001. It happened a few times in 1999 and 2000, but uh, we won't hold those games against the Hawks (laughs) because clearly we were still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So since 2001, which is kind of, everybody agrees, is kind of the turning point for uh, Hawkeye football and back to respectability, since 2001 it's happened ten times. You want to guess what our, our outright record is in those ten games? I'll go seven and three. You said it was pretty good, so I'll go seven and three. You are you hit the nail on the head, Trent. Seven and three, but when you break down those games, you realize seven and three is pretty damn impressive. Because uh, of those seven seven wins, five of them were wins as a underdog, and all of them were underdogs of a more than a field goal. So uh, same scenario as this as this weekend. So seven and three with five wins as an underdog. When you look at the spread, Trent, it becomes even more impressive. Can you guess what we were against the spread in those 10 games? Well, uh, listening to you, it has to be better than that, so I'll go 9-1. and one. Uh, Trick question. You're, you're probably not going to get this one right because there was a tie in there. 8-1-1 so oh. <laughs> eight, eight, one one against the spread, with the only loss being a, a game where we, we failed to cover by a half point. So uh, hmm. against the spread... In these bounce back games, Kirk Ferentz has been has been pretty much money. So eight one and one, you're ready to hop in the time machine and take a quick look at those ten games. Oh, absolutely! There should be some good stuff in here. There is, yeah, and there's some interesting opponents. You can you can uh, break down some 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 Big Ten teams that you forgot were good. So 2003 is the first of those games. We lose at Sparty. We come back and get number nine Michigan at Kinnick. Uh, this is the Ramona Chilla game. We've talked about it in the past. Hawks win 30-27. to 27. So uh, we win and we cover. We were actually three-point under, three-and-a-half-point underdogs in that game. So we covered by almost a touchdown, and uh, we're off and running. 1-0 and for wins, 1-0 and against the spread. Later that same year, 2003, we had another opportunity where we get whipped at Purdue. You and I know that game well because, mm-hmm. fortunately, we were we were both there and uh, got to listen to the uh, atrocious sound system that was at Ross A Stadium because they placed us directly below it. Um, get whipped at Purdue, turn around and come back and beat the number seventeen Golden Gophers and whoop up on them pretty good, forty to twenty-two in a game that wasn't even that close. We were ahead forty to six going into the fourth. So uh, again, another game where. Uh, we not only cover, but we cover the spread as well. We uh, the Gophers were we were actually five point favorites in the game, covered by eighteen. So two and zero and two and zero against the spread in two thousand three. So uh, a good start at least. Was that the Bob Sanders where he forced like four fumbles? Yeah. The interesting thing when you look at that game, Trent, the Gophers had five hundred and sixty eight total yards. Jeez, that destroyed. Yeah. This was this was the when the Gophers were a well oiled offensive machine. People forget. Uh, just how good they were at running the football in the uh, the turn of the century. But uh, in, in true Gophers fashion, even when you score 568 yards, you find a way to get blown out. So, <laughs> but two and all, you, you got to jump ahead three years to get to game three. Um, this is the one, the one and only game that we don't cover, and, and it's got kind of a pattern of the three games that we lost. The three leaves we lost that you're going to see 
it's generally shows that things are not going to go well for the rest of the year for the Hawks. So 2006, this was the middle of a four-game losing streak. We had just went, to, went and lost to Northwestern on the road. We turned around, came back home, and lost to Wisconsin at home 24-21. to We were two-and-a-half-point underdogs, uh, lost by three. But if you remember, this is the year where we uh, – we faded badly down the stretch and ended six and seven. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we don't bounce back, as you'll see, uh, it's generally not a good sign for the rest of the year. So uh, not putting the, not, not mean to put too much pressure on the Hawks, but uh, we need to bounce back this week. Absolutely. All right. And even that one, I mean, it was a tight game down the wire. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, still, again, it's the only game we didn't cover, and we didn't cover by half point. So jump ahead one year, 2007, for the fourth game. Uh, we had lost at Penn State. We come home and beat the eventually Rose Bowl bound Fighting Illini, Trent. This is uh, remember the Illinois team that had some uh, offensive weapons and actually beat Ohio State on the road at the end of the year. We beat them in a ten to six slugfest. So again, another another win, another cover um, against a team. It's hard to even say this, but the Rose Bowl bound Illini. We were four and a half point favorites against them, and we covered by more than a touchdown. So. At this point, we're we're three and one wins, three and one covering. So, again, it's hard to fathom, but uh, old Juice Williams and the Rose Bowl bound uh, Illini sounds weird to even say. Is that going to be the uh, biggest blemish on Juice Williams' career, losing to Jake Christensen? So, well, it can't be. A, it, you look at that team. I actually looked them up. They they struggled at the start of the year, but the, after going, I think one and two or two and two to start the year, we were the only blemish up until the Rose Bowl. They. Uh, Wow. They were a juggernaut in Big Ten, Big Ten games, including, like I said, beating the number one Ohio State on the road late in the year. And, and if you remember that game, I think they had like a ten-minute-long drive to, to run out the clock. So, uh, yeah, clearly the biggest blemish when you uh, you can't beat a mediocre Iowa team, but you still went to the Rose Bowl. So, jump to number five, Trent. The next year we actually lose at Illinois in two thousand eight. If you remember, this was an Iowa team that was really rolling at that point. Uh, until we stub our toe at a mediocre uh, Illinois. Then we come home with the legendary 24-23 win against Penn State. Um, number three, Penn State, obviously the uh, kick at the buzzer. Another game will recover by more than a touchdown. Penn State was favored by seven and a half. We win by one. So uh, at this point, we are rolling along at the four and one in games and four and one in covers. What a game that was. Uh, I remember our group getting together at halftime and just all kind of looking around saying, boy, Penn State's a lot better than the Hawks. But they let Iowa hang around that day. Yeah, for the first five minutes of that game, we played unbelievable. And then once the uh, initial energy, everybody settled down, they dominated us for the last 25 minutes of the half. But we somehow somehow hung around and found a way to win. And, you know, if you remember, the weather conditions for that game are probably going to be pretty similar to what we're going to see yep. Saturday night. It's going to be cooler. It's going to be windy. Fortunately, said the wind's going to die down before kickoff, but uh, not going to be beautiful weather by any means. So we're halfway done. Next two opportunities for bounce backs both happened in the uh, frustrating 2010 year. Mm. So the first of the two bounce backs was a positive memory because we had just lost the absolute heartbreaker to Wisconsin, 31 to 30. We stayed home. You remember what happened the following week? Yeah, Michigan State had the lateral in the game and just blew the Buckeyes off the field. Well, Michigan State's not the Buckeyes, but you are <laughs> correct. The Spartans. You blew them off. So 37 <laughs> to 6. 
37-6 against a number five Sparty team. Um, even though they're number five, we were favored. We were favored by six, but won by 31. So yet another cover, yet another win. But uh, the second of the two bounce-back opportunities, not as good for the Hawks in that year. 2010, we lose a heartbreaker at Northwestern, 21-17. We give up two touchdowns in the last five minutes. We then came home. Do you remember what happened uh, when we came back to Kinnick? Mm, no. Another heartbreaker. We lose to Terrell Pryor on his 14th mm. 20-17. This game is the push, Trent. Ohio State was favored by three. They won by three. So it's a loss, but uh, in the mind of the gamblers, uh, everybody wins because uh, it was a push. So, again, the same story as 2006. From that point on, the season spiraled downhill and uh, not a preseason. So uh, when we get these bounce-back opportunities, we've either uh, done really well or the season has uh, ended poorly. So let's hope that's the first of those two options on Saturday. Yeah, we don't want to see this thing spiral out of control here. So three, three to go, Trent. You only have to jump one more year. 2011, if you remember, we went up to Minnesota and laid in absolute egg against uh, a terrible Gophers team. Lost 22-21. Mm-hmm. to 21. Um, Angry, angry fan base at that point. Came back home and uh, beat number 13 Michigan with uh, Denard Robinson 24-16. to 16. So, And that was a game where we, uh, we were up 24-9 to 9 late in the game. They almost came back. But uh, a, another good bounce back win and another cover because uh, Michigan was favored by four, and we won by eight. So uh, cover, not only cover, but cover quite easily. So jump ahead one more year, and this is the last of the three losses. Um, 2012, a uh, endlessly forgettable season for the Hawks. Lost six in a row to end the year. But we actually ended the year by battling against a uh, top-ten-ranked Nebraska team. Uh, lost 13-7, to but again, easily covered the spread. Nebraska was 16 and a half point favorites. We covered by more, covered by more than 10 points again. So uh, at this point, we're seven one and one against the spread, and six and three, or seven one and one against spread and six and three overall. So you ready for the last of the ten? Yeah, yeah. This one's more recent, and it's one that uh, should be fresh in everybody's mind, and it involves the same two teams that are in. in current bounce back, but flip them around. 2016, we go to Happy Valley, get pillaged 41-14. to 14. Everyone's ready to write off this team. Uh, we come home, and what happens when we get home, Trent? We upset Michigan 14-13 on the walk-off from Keith Duncan. Right. You remember what the spread was in that game? 20, 20 and a half? 21.5. So, uh, one of the biggest spreads I can ever remember, uh, I think Clearly the biggest spread at Kinnick since 2001. I think when we played Nebraska, one of those first couple of years, it's probably higher than 21 and a half. But uh, in the last two decades, I think it's the highest spread that uh, we've seen at Kinnick and, and still found a way to win. So so there it is, Trent. So what, what's the takeaway from these 10 games? I was like pretty I said, good bouncing back. Yeah, the takeaway is, like I said, Trent, go bet the house on the Hawks. Uh, Kirk Ferentz knows what he's doing when it comes to bounce back games. And, uh, and this one's uh, definitely falls in that category. You got a, a frustrated fan base. You got a, a a very poor showing at Michigan, at least on the offensive side of the ball. You've got a, a Penn State team that everybody's in love with right now. Um, this this is where Kirk Ferentz shines. And one last tidbit, Trent, before we uh, hop back out of the uh, time machine. 
Um, of those 10 games, six of the games, we were underdogs by four or more, plus four in six of those games. Ferentz went 6-0. and So uh, wow. when we're underdogs and we come back and bounce back to Kinnick, uh, it's about as big of a lock as you can get. And then on the flip side of that, Trent, James Franklin, 0-6 against ranked teams on the road since he started at Penn State. So uh, lock it up, Trent. There's no way the Hawks lose this week. Well, there's the kiss of death. Uh, feeling good you about you this. You don't even have to attend the game tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, I think I still might make an appearance. It might, might be my only time in Kinnick this year, so at least got to come over and uh, have a good time. Well, before we just look at historical trends, there is a little bit more to go into it. And as good as Iowa was late in the Joe Paterno era at Penn State against the Nittany Lions, it has been the opposite way against James Franklin. This is a team that can get after you defensively. It's going to be looking different, I'm sure, than what we saw last week with Don Brown and the blitz packages that they go. They don't need to bring a lot of extra guys. They're very good getting the quarterback just with their front four. Very good defensively. That was anticipated into the year, but Sean Clifford has been a lot better than I anticipated at the quarterback position. They've been able to move the football, and they've been able to do it mostly through the air. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think this is a good Penn State team. I don't think it's a great Penn State team. When, when, you, when you look into the numbers a little further, Trent, and some of their, uh, their box scores, you know, you see some interesting things. First, I don't know, did you see any of the, the Penn State-Purdue game last week? Uh, no, I did not. So I didn't see it, but I looked at the stats. Penn State was up 28 to nothing one minute into the second quarter. At that point, they'd put up over 250 yards of offense. From that point on, last three quarters, they had about 150 yards of total offense and only put up seven points So uh, against a very bad Purdue defense. So a part of that is you're being you're obviously being conservative and you get the lead, but you know, that's still, to me, a bit of a red flag that you're not exactly uh, – walking up and down the field on Purdue. Mm-hmm. You go back even further, they gave up 370 yards passing to Pitt, and they were down and out yardage at the half to Buffalo. So this is not uh, the juggernaut Penn State teams we saw a few years back. Are they good? Yes. But I think they are uh, a beatable team, but we've got to play a heck of a lot better, obviously, than, than we did last week. Uh, if we uh, turn the ball over four times, we ain't going to win. If we get eight penalties... We ain't going to win, and if we give up eight sacks, we sure as heck ain't going to win. So uh, yeah, we got to clean things up on our end, and I think if we do, uh, I feel pretty good about the game. All right. Well, I like the positivity there. I still have my own set of concerns here. I, I think it's going well, to be... Let's Trent. What are they? Well, I think it's going to be a slugfest kind of game. Um, I do have concerns off the edge. They are very talented over there. I, I want to see Iowa come in with a game plan that makes sense, and that game plan, it felt like they got away from it. Michigan and giving up rushing yards all season long. You were bitching about it in our in our thread uh, that we were texting during the game. Run the football. Come in with a scheme and a game plan that makes sense. If there's one thing most everybody's been able to do against Penn State, it's run the football. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a slug game with Torn Young or if it's Goodson or even if it's your boy Ivory Kelly Martin or the starter Makai Sargent. But run the football and do it consistently. And if you're struggling for a time... Don't completely abandon it. It's the same thing that happened last week. So frustrating watching Brian Ferentz teams when they continually get away from what can work against a specific defense. He gets off kilter too often. Yeah, I, well, one of the things I thought last week, I thought we just got really impatient um, and, and maybe even just nervous as a team. I mean, 
you know, after we kicked the field goal, it was a one possession game the whole time. I felt like we were playing like we were down 17 the whole time. I felt like we were, you know, especially after about midway through the third quarter. I thought we came out the second half and established the running game that first drive, had three nice runs in a row. We got to second and four or second and five at, at Michigan 35, and instead of continuing to run the ball, we got we got tricky, tried to pass three times in a row and turned it over on down. So, you know, I, I just thought we got impatient as a team, and, and that's, you know, I get it, especially if you were there in person. The one thing you could see right away is that they had zero respect for our receivers, and they were going to challenge us like crazy to to beat them one on one. They were they were pressing the receivers. They had minimal help over the top, um, and we obviously took a lot of shots down the field with uh, you know varying amounts of success. My guess is you're going to see the same thing uh, Saturday night with Penn State's athletes. Is they're going to say if you can beat us deep, go for it. But uh, you know, I, I hope I think we both hope we we stay a little more patient than we did last week. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was frustrating just because. Every it felt like every possession was the exact same. You you get one or two first downs, mm-hmm. feel like you're starting to get a little bit of a rhythm going, and then go backwards, and then just a lot of impatience there. So, uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. But I, I think we will come with a uh, a little more patient game plan uh, this Saturday. I think you're right, and the bounce back factor under Kirk Ferentz, it's been a key too. All right, I'm buying back in. I'm getting a little bit more confident right after the game. Saturday and, and into Monday when started looking and starting to flip the page, I felt good about Iowa bouncing back. And as the week progressed, I started to slip back. Now I'm starting to put those black and gold blinders right back on, and I'm feeling good about the Hawks coming up this weekend. All right, Biz, uh, a lot of football, plenty of conversations certainly there. Did you want to get into any basketball, though? We had media day the other day, and Jordan Bohannon not only has a luscious beard, but also... He might be playing this year, something I certainly didn't anticipate at this point. Yeah, before we get into the team check, can we just all agree that the Hawks need to go down the hallway and trade uniforms with the Iowa women's team? Yes, like, yes. Not that the, the uniforms they chose are that awful. Yeah, they're not the good. Women's not, but the Iowa women's uniforms are the best. Yes. I mean, the, the, the cursive Iowa, the gold, they're just sharp looking. I mean, that, that should be the... It should be a requirement that we wear those uniforms at least a couple times a year. So uh, make that happen if you could. Just uh, just switch the uniforms because clearly, if you see them, they're they're already tight and form fitting anyway. So even if you wear the women's uniforms, they're not going to look much different. So, but yeah, let, let's a change the uniforms. B, uh, my take on Jordan Bohannon is if you read between the lines, I don't think he is playing. I mean, they they are still leaving the door open, but he's not even practicing. I mean, he's he's doing some light drills, but he's not taking any contact. He's not doing, you know, any full practice drills. I mean, at some point you got to kind of draw the line and say, okay, either he's got to practice, you know, fully and and be able to play or, you know, just say it's not going to happen this year. So my guess is they're going to play it safe, but uh, I sure hope I'm wrong. That is certainly, yeah, the the hope there. It's, it's really interesting what this team can be with Bohannon out there. Let's say that he's fine, and maybe, I mean, the likelihood that he's 100% I think is still pretty low, but let's say he's good enough to certainly get by. Is this team a bubble team even? I, I That's that's where I'm still struggling. The schedule in the non-conference is incredibly difficult. A lot of games that certainly look like right now when you're W and Ling it and be on the L side of it, can they be on the bubble come 
late February? I'll tentatively say yes, and the only reason why I'll say yes is because of our schedule. I mean, this team could this is one of these teams we could go seventeen and thirteen and be on the bubble because we're going to have such a, a tough schedule. Um, but anybody that says for sure one way or the other is, is just guessing because, like I said last week, there's really only at this point only two <laughs> two for sures about this team, and that's that's Lee's Camp and Garza. Everything else is is. A lot of unknowns, you know, including Bohannon. And when you got that many unknowns, I think it's just a pure guess one way or the other. So, I mean, I, I, I think we both agree that it's unlikely. But uh, I wouldn't say, you know, this isn't uh, Licklider's last year where there's no hope. There's at, least, there's at least a glimmer of hope that this team can make the NCAA if, if things fall right for them. I think that's fair. That's fair. Now, got to find a way to win one of those uh, third year now of the December Big Ten games in early December before the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Can they at least win one this year? Please be, at least beat the Gophers. We go to Michigan to get Minnesota at home. Is that what we are this year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would think, hope, pray that we can beat Minnesota at home because I, I don't think we're going to Michigan and winning. But, uh, yeah, especially because, I mean, that's right in the middle of just that brutal stretch of, of three weeks of basketball. So we need to find a way somehow in that stretch of seven games in the middle to win. If you can go three and four of that seven, you're at least you know, you at least got hope going into the, uh, the the main Big Ten season. That is what it is. All right, Biz, let's uh, continue from hoops. And are you ready to get into the picks this week? I finally had a winning week. Finally was able to eke one out. Still down seven seventy five on the season, or what is it? Yeah, seven seventy five on the year. Right. You got to uh, you got to crawl before you can walk, right? You're at least you're at least going in the right direction. I keep uh, spinning my wheels. I'm stuck right in that. What is it? Two hundred up or one fifty up? One yep, one fifty up on the year, and you were even, Stephen, last week. Well, not showing off, not falling behind. <laughs> That's how it's done. All right, Biz. Our national game this week, game day for the second week. We'll see the Gators of Florida will be on the road though this week as they make their way over to Baton Rouge. Big number in this one, 13 and a half. Where are you going? Yeah, this spread makes no sense, Trent, which uh, leads me to believe that uh, LSU must be the right side. So I don't have much confidence in it, but I'll put 50 on the, uh, the, the Tigers. It's hard to bet against LSU uh, night game uh, in Death Valley. So even though the spread looks too high, give me 50 on uh, LSU to cover. Ah, uh, kiss of death here. I see it the same way. I'm putting 100, though, feeling a little bit more confident. Lay the 13 in the hook. And uh, I'm also going with LSU, though I have a hundred on that one. Pick number two, Biz. Well, my pick number two is the same theory as the LSU pick. Uh, it's actually a game tonight, I believe. Uh, give me Miami Hurricanes minus two versus Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this spread makes absolutely no sense. Virginia is uh, four and one. They're coming off a bye. They've been the better team all year long. Miami's two and three, coming off a brutal loss against a terrible Virginia Tech team. Um, I don't know why Miami's favored, but uh, somebody must know. So uh, give me 150 on the Hurricanes to uh, to bounce back and beat uh, Virginia. All right, I'm going to uh, make this kind of two wagers in one, if you will. Love Texas. Love Texas getting the 11, 11 and a half, uh, depending on where you're looking right now. Actually, some 10 and a halfs. We'll call it in the middle. We'll grab 11 for 150 bucks. Historically, this game has been the underdog has covered seemingly all the time. And I'm gonna sprinkle so 150 bucks on the Longhorns plus 11, 50 bucks on that money line plus 325 with Texas there. Throw 50 bucks there. So two wagers in one, if you will. 
150 on Texas plus 11, 50 bucks on the Longhorns to pull the upset at plus 325. I should have bet some of my money on the fact that you were going to bet Texas this week. <laughs> I would have. Uh, like you, you love your Tom Herman as an underdog. I do. Generally, it pays off. I can't argue with you. So, my last two picks, Trent, are, are kind of in the same boat. So we'll just kind of lump them together. Um, going against two of the worst Big Ten teams, uh, both giving up a lot of points. But I think uh, give me Indiana minus twenty-seven against Rutgers, and give me Michigan minus twenty-three against Illinois. But Rutgers game simple. I think they are. Uh, working their way towards being a historically bad football team. They don't even have a quarterback left at this point. So uh, give me Indiana minus 27. Michigan, uh, I was at Ann Arbor and, and got to hear just how angry their fans were about the Michigan offense. Uh, Harbaugh is going to want to put up a humongous number against Illinois. It's going to be windy. They're going to run for a million yards against a, a terrible Illinois defense. Uh, I think Michigan tries to tried to make their fans happy, and they put up a 50 on, on Illinois this week. So that one, if we have one, that's my lock of the week. So you put, give me 200 on Michigan, 100 on Indiana. Oh, changing it up a little bit there. All right, so 100 on Indiana and 200 on the Wolverines. 21 and a half, was that your number on Michigan? Uh, it's actually 23 right now, but yeah, I'll take 21 and a half. 23, knock it off. Not cheating on me. You're already beating my ass enough as it is. We don't know. need to go any deeper. All right, going back to the Beavers as I did last week. Oregon, for 100 bucks, we'll grab them, plus 14.5. That number keeps growing. It was 13.5 earlier this week, like in the direction of that one. So I have $100 left to play with last what week. What was that, Fred? 14.5 uh, at home against Utah. Wow. Yeah. Something fishy there. And uh, you know I'll be touching a little money line on that one, too, with the Beavs. Finishing up last week, so I had this two-team parlay. Underdogs, it was just a long shot. It was 14-1 to with Oregon State, who won outright easily against UCLA. And the other part was Tulsa. They were getting, what was it, 13-and-a-half at SMU. They're up 30-9, to coasting in. I got a uh, text from one of my buddies. Oh, you got this one locked up. Great call. Well, you knew it was going to happen, and it inevitably did. 30-30, they go to overtime, have a chance to win it. All they need to do is make a field goal in the second overtime, wank, uh, yanked it wide left, and in the third overtime, Tulsa gets it done. So no victory there on the money line. I'm fading the Golden Hurricane this week. Give me Navy. They haven't won on the road forever. They get it done here. It's a pick em. I'll take Navy against Tulsa this week for my final pick. So basically, you're just, you're just making that pick out of spite. Mm-hmm. Tulsa... Screwed you over last week. Mm-hmm. Angry pick, Trent. I like it. That's how you do it. Navy pick. Oregon State plus 14.5. Texas and Texas money line. And LSU, my picks this week. All right. Well, Trent, neither of us uh, neither of us bet the game or as a, as a pick. But uh, what's your prediction on the Hawks? I got uh, – you tried to talk me out of it, but when I sent the text uh, earlier today in our group chat, I got Penn State 23-14. I was kind of the opposite. You said you were confident early in the week and have faded. I'm just the opposite. I, I came away from that game at uh, Michigan pretty down. But Stat Boys, uh, statistical information, you know, it, who am I to argue against stats, Trent? Uh, this, is, this is a lock. It's not, not only do we have all that statistical information, but a couple things. One, we're in the same situation that Michigan was in last week. We're, we're the desperate team. We're playing at home. 
Um, you know, I think Penn State probably kind of patting themselves on the back like we were last week, and uh, we're more desperate than they are. Plus, you got Floyd of Boner Week, you got the alternate jersey, you got the 2009 reunion involving Stanzi and Greenwood. There's no way we lose this game, Trent. Uh, give me the Hawks 24-20. 24-20. I hope your prediction is the reality that we see. You mentioned Floyd of Boner. Do you have any odds for us here, Floyd of Boner, who's going to take home the title this year? Oh, the last couple of years we've done odds. you got to be present to do the odds. I think we bet on the, we bet on the games. We've, we've done odds game by game, haven't we? So that was the plan. Is, uh, yes, that's right. Have our side casino going. Yeah, I, I believe I've been the uh, the bookmaker for that in the uh, the odds that happened during the game because I've been atrocious as of late. I, I'm on a, on a bad, bad streak during Floyd of Boner. And for the ninth time, it'll be me and your wife on a team together. And you're playing against me in the opener, Trent. Ooh. I get uh, Mrs. Statboy as my partner. As we've all seen over the years, nobody, nobody is more competitive than Mrs. Statboy. So she will be, she will be locked and loaded and ready to, uh, ready to fire tomorrow morning. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, some of the other matchups here and some of the teams as I take a look back at the tweets from Statboy last night as the bracket was revealed. I Buck, think, Buck and Goat, good team. Well, Stat Boy, uh, I was there for the reveal last night, and he told me I believe he has twelve of the sixteen brackets that he's going to bring tomorrow. So we we can go back and go back in time and look at some of the equality pairings, and we'll see if you really have them paired with my wife uh, as many times as you claim. Feels that way. Early favorite, yep. Buck and Goat. I, I like that team. I haven't thrown a beanbag probably since last November. This I might need to. How much practice are we allowed? Well, none, none of us throw them anymore. You know, with with the other random games we play and can jam and things like that, beanbags have become a, a limited use at the tailgate. So I, I don't know if anybody has played more than a random game or two with kids at, at the tailgates this year. So we're all in the same boat. Chad. Don't don't whine and complain. You're you're you'll be you'll be fine. Anut's going to make an appearance? You're, you're smaller, so you can play under the wind than I can. <laughs> right, yeah. Keep those line drives going, and, and it's going to be a windy day. Anut's, is he going to be there? I have not I have not checked Twitter this afternoon. I'm assuming he'll respond eventually, but uh, we'll see. I did see, right before we got on, um, there was a photograph of the uh, road trip with love songs. And, uh, Rick's plus one is in the vehicle. Oh, wow. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and she, she uh, at least at least in photographic form, she looks like a nice gal. Nice gal. All right. Well, good to hear. Uh, the, I know they will be listening uh, during the road trip. Uh, Rix has already texted me waiting to know when the podcast is going to be posted. We're getting close to that point. But before we get to that point, it's time, as always, for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the day. Well, Trent, business beat of the day is along the same lines we were just talking. As we just mentioned, it's Florida Boner Week, but it's a special Florida Boner Week because it's Return of Chuck. I believe this is the first time Chuck has been back for Florida Boner since uh, he and I shocked the world a, a decade ago and, and, and won. So, uh, super excited to see Chuck. He has not been back for uh, a tailgate in quite a while and hasn't been back for a Florida Boner for about a decade. So, uh, uh I was disappointed I didn't get paired up with him as a partner. Uh, I believe he got 
was it Squirrel as his partner? So, but uh, either way, it'll be great to see Chuck. Uh, everybody else that's coming, I, I believe we've seen regularly. But uh, return of the Chuck. I hope he wears the Pioneer hat and the boots and uh, <laughs> is ready to roll tomorrow. I know the painting uh, still around, right? The painting that yes. he he found allegedly at a, a nice hotel in Waverly. That's been the one the one bright spot of having to move twice in the last six weeks is uh, while moving the first time we were able to find the painting. I, I believe my wife had uh, secretly hidden it, hoping that it would never be found again because it was wedged <laughs> in the back corner of our garage. But it'll it'll be there and hanging in the tree tomorrow. Well, to our uh, dozens of fans out there, if you if you want to stop by our tailgate. If you can find us, uh, you're welcome to stop by. That's all the information we'll hand out. And you'll get the opportunity to see uh, Rick's plus one. <laughs> very, very true. All right, Biz, it is Iowa-Penn State this week. Bounce back opportunity. Let's go get a win tomorrow night. Go Hawks, and uh, see you bright and early tomorrow morning.